you're listening to Law and Gospel on this last day in September the 30th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look again at CFW Walther's lectures to students on how to read the Bible from a Law and Gospel perspective. We're taking a look at the actual lectures. Uh, there are 25 various principles he has, but there's over 30 lectures on these. This is lecture number 24, April the 10th, 1885. And as is the custom of CFW Walther, before he talks about the next thesis, which is number 13, he has a little introduction. And I'd like to read that first paragraph. About 120 years ago, my friends, rationalism became dominant in the so-called Protestant Church of Germany. This was a time of the deepest disgrace and humiliation through which the nation had ever passed. It was also a period of complete abandonment of the gospel. The shallowest minds, the most brainless men, without any considerable learning, were regarded as great lights and far ahead of their time. So that's how he begins this particular evening lecture. Uh, what I want to do is just explain a little bit about rationalism. Rationalism is using reason as the source of knowledge. And that is in contrast to, let's say, empiricism that uses the senses to suffice in justifying knowledge. Let, let me give you a real simple example. The creation of the world. We have historical scientists, I call them, who like to use reason. So they take a look and they have discovered that there are stars so far away from the earth that even if you agree that light travels at 186,000 miles per second, those stars are tens of thousands of years away. And so they take a look at what is going on on the earth and they say, well, this is how long it would take for these things to develop or evolve. In contrast to that, are observational scientists. And what they do is they observe the way the world is today and don't make a historical conjecture as to how it came about. It really is a difference between rationalism and what Christians believe in, fideism. F-I-D-E-I-S-M. Faith is independent from reason and at times is hostile to reason. For example, Christians believe there are three persons but only one God in the Holy Trinity. That's what the Bible clearly teaches from a logical point of view but it is contrary to reason. 
or take a look at some of the miracles of Jesus. They do not want a supernatural explanation, so they try and give a reasonable explanation. Now, the Bible is pretty clear. Uh, Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul is writing, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, that's reason, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, until the Holy Spirit gives a person faith, you will not know the spiritual truths of God. Uh, we may talk a little bit more about this tomorrow with Wes Reimnitz on that particular program. And uh, I'll talk to him about this afternoon to see if we're going to do that because there's a lot more to this. It is part of the reason why the Lutherans left Germany and traveled to the United States because rationalist preachers who did not believe the supernatural miracles, did not believe the gospel, their sermons were on topics of reason, such as intelligent agriculture, or another title, how to make potato growing profitable or why is it necessary to plant trees, or the importance of good health. Now, there's no doubt that that is a contradiction of what proper preaching is to be about. And that's what C.F.W. Walther was talking about. It's undeniable that even well-intentioned preachers who are not rationalists still mingle law and gospel and thus cause horrible injury to their listeners. And so C.F.W. Walther sets up Thesis 13 to prepare the students he's talking to about how to do proper kind of preaching. And... Of the 25 principles that he talks about, 21 of them are ways in which law and gospel are confused. So let me take a look at Thesis 13. You are not rightly distinguishing law and gospel in the words of God if you explain faith by demanding that people are able to make themselves believe or at least can collaborate toward that end. Rather, preach faith into people's hearts by laying the gospel promises before them. 
Now, this is really very helpful for today because what we're fighting against today is called decision theology. How many times have you seen an advertisement on television where some preacher is saying, you need to become a Christian, invite Christ into your heart. And they even have a prayer that if you say that, then you can create faith in yourself. C.F.W. Walther is making a very clear point in this thesis that nobody can create faith in themselves. It has to be a gift from the Holy Spirit. So what is interesting, and a lot of times Walther speaks in a way that you have to think about, he says, we are not claiming that it is wrong for a pastor to demand even passionately that his listeners have faith. What we, or when we demand faith, we do not lay down a demand of the law. Remember the Philippian jailer? Uh, what can I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And the apostles went to his home, baptized his entire family, and salvation came to that home. So, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like a command, doesn't it? But C.F.W. Walther does a good job in showing that it's not a command of the law, but an invitation from the gospel. Here's an example he gives. If I invite a half-starred person to sit down to a well-set table, wonderful meal on it, and to help himself to anything he likes, I do not expect him to tell me, I'm not going to take any orders from you, because he understands that it's not an order to sit down at the table and eat. It's an invitation to have a free meal. In the same way, the demand to believe is to be understood not as an order of the law, but as an invitation of the gospel. So the error that he's pointing out is the idea that man can produce faith in himself. And that would turn faith into what? A human work. Clearly, that would be mingling law and gospel. As a preacher must be able to preach a sermon on faith, therefore, this is really interesting, without ever using the word faith. Now, how's that possible? Well, he talks about talking to a group of people and speaking about the wonderful work of Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, and 
and this happens occasionally to even Lutheran pastors in the pulpit, all of a sudden the preacher has a heart attack and he dies. Will the people that have been hearing him, can they ever come to faith? Because he never mentioned the word faith. Well, what happens is the Holy Spirit takes the words he did mention, and therefore they are brought to faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not wrong in a sermon to talk about faith. I I do this a lot because most people do not understand faith. If... um, when I drive around in Uber and I have a passenger who's willing to talk theologically, my favorite question is, do you believe in God? And they often say yes. Then my next question, what promise does your God give you? And there's often silence because their understanding of God, well, He's maybe the creator, and he takes care of things. He may even have created the world through evolution, they think. But they don't have any promises of this kind of God. And then I tell them, well, the God I believe in does give me promises. And then I can start sharing the promises of the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness. I always like to make the point, Nobody goes to heaven unless they are totally righteous in God's sight. Now, every world religion outside of Christianity thinks that that's your righteousness. You need to be good. You need to be obedient. And if you are sufficiently obedient, then you're saved. I mean, how many times have we said this on Law and Gospel? But Christianity teaches no amount of your obedience can ever save you. So the burden of being obedient in order to get to heaven is lifted from you because Jesus takes a burden on himself. He's totally, was totally obedient when he was on earth. And then he paid for your sins. Well, that obedience, that righteousness is transferred over to you through faith. C.F.W. Walther talks about Martin Luther, and he says he rarely appealed to his listeners, believe, really believe, because what one does is receive the free gift of the forgiveness of sins. I, I like making a distinction between accepting and receiving. Accept means that, well, you're making up your mind and you decide, yes, I'll accept that. And that, in a sense, becomes your work. To receive something, boy, you don't even have to be conscious. You're in a car accident. You're taken to the hospital. You're unconscious. And they start giving you a blood transfusion. You don't accept it because you're unconscious, but you receive it. Your body takes to it and helps you. 
really get better. So, you could spend a lot of time, Walther says, telling people, one must truly believe in order to be saved. Now, when you say it in that way, Walther points out your listeners are getting the impression that they are required to do something. And as Walther said, it's not that you don't preach about faith, but you don't give the impression that faith is something that they can evolve in themselves. Unfortunate listeners who hear such sermons will wonder, I'm not sure I have sufficient faith because they look at their works and they see that they sin by thought, word, and deed. So with the word faith, Walther says, still ringing in their ears, it would give them no comfort. Even Luther complained that many in his day were preaching about faith without telling their listeners what faith really is and the object of faith and how to attain it. The fact of the matter is, is when you say, I believe the scripture, what you're saying is, I believe the promises of the scripture. Now, unfortunately, a sidekick of Martin Luther, his name was Melanchthon. He, in some areas, began to drift away from proper Christian theology and was saying things that kind of gave the wrong impression. For example, and C.F.W. Walther is quoting from Melanchthon. Number one, there is and must be a cause in human beings why some people are predestined to salvation while others are cast away and damned. Now, unlike Calvin, who said there was no cause, it was just a decision by God to predestine some to heaven and some to hell, Melanchthon said, no, there must be something within a person. There was a big controversy among Lutherans here in North America that Walther really helped solve. It was called the predestinarian controversy. And what Walther showed was there is no reason why a person is saved because they're saved by grace. Here's another quote from Melanchthon. Since the promises of grace are universal and there cannot be contradictory wills in God, there must necessarily be some different cause in us that accounts for the salvation of some and the damnation of others. That is, there must be in each person a different kind of action. Well, that's what a lot of evangelicals believe today as they try to propose that you can come to faith by making a decision, inviting Christ into your heart, saying a prayer. But 
they're kind of joining with Melanchthon, who is wrong in this. Imagine if you truly believed that there was something in a person that God says, okay, he's worthy of salvation. You will never come to that point because you will never consider yourself worthy of salvation as the law touches you. Another statement of Melanchthon. The cause of salvation lies in us as to why some give their assent to the promises of grace while others do not. We just read from 1 Corinthians. Nobody who's an unbeliever can give an assent to the words of the Bible. They don't make any sense. They're against common sense. Reason cannot move anybody to decide to believe in Jesus Christ. Instead, the gospel is preached and the Holy Spirit takes the words of the gospel and creates faith, which means we believe the promises of God. Finally, a fourth word from Melanchthon. There are three reasons for a person's conversion. The word of God, that's correct. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father and the Son send to awaken our heart, that's correct. And the human will, which gives assent to the word of God and does not resist. Well, what's Melanchthon doing with all these wrong statements? He's trying to answer what I consider to be one of the main questions of Christianity. Why are some saved and others are not? And a lot of people in their answer give the impression there, there's something in the unbeliever that God recognizes as becoming worthy to be saved. But all of us are equal as fallen creatures. There is nothing in any human being that moves God to save you because of a characteristic that you have. You cannot produce faith in and of itself. There, there's one other item that CFW writes about Melanchthon. This is a quote from Melanchthon. You say you are unable to obey the voice of the gospel to listen to the Son of God and to accept him as your mediator? Melanchthon responds, of course you can. That's a horrible answer, CFW Walther says, because it puts the burden of a person becoming saved on themselves. Some parishioners complain, I, I cannot believe. The pastor, Walther says, tell them you are not surprised by their statement, for no one can believe. It would be a tremendous act contrary to the Bible if they could create faith in themselves. Teach them instead that rather than concentrating on believing, 
teach them to do nothing but listen to the word of God. And through the Holy Spirit, God will give them strength. It's kind of like a person who comes to faith, Walter says, like a newborn baby who sees, hears, tastes, moves, has a certain amount of strength, can eat and drink, but not until all this takes place can the baby begin to grow with better ideas and a better knowledge. And that's what happens with the newborn in faith. Yes, they have no free will as an unbeliever to prepare oneself for grace. Instead, first, Walther says, I must be converted. And then, only then, can I put aside sins against my conscience. So that's Thesis 13. Next week, we'll be taking a look at Thesis 14. And tomorrow, on Rumination Thursday, we may continue this conversation between rationalism and empiricism. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.